0: Hey guys, we're in here for a good treat here today. Uh, our friend Rodney, who uh, hails from Idaho, is part of this ministry called Pure Desire. is going to be speaking today, and uh, he's got an amazing word for the church and in uh, the world, but especially in our country yeah. and for Rivers Church today. I'm a huge fan of Pure Desire Ministry. Yeah. Came across the book Pure Desire like 25 years ago, and it really impacted my life in a time when I needed. God's help and I needed freedom from sexual addiction in my life and I this ministry I've seen it explode from just a book to uh, this incredible ministry and they got people all over they've developed incredible resources and so this is a an important topic for us as a church to address for years the church didn't do a good job of it now we're learning and growing we're trying to address it in a healthy godly biblical way it's like the silent killer in the church and maybe some of us, maybe some of us listening or you're watching right now, this is killing you silently, and today God has freedom for you. That's right. And I just, we're just declaring this a place of freedom. We're calling this summer a summer of freedom, and, and I just want you to know that God has freedom for you, and so I'm excited that we're tackling this topic today, because it's like the big elephant in the room that we know is there, it exists, but we don't ever deal with it. We don't want to be that church. We want to be a church that tap- tackles the tough topics, the topics we need to, to address and process and learn about, uh, because this is killing too many Christians silently. So uh, this is going to be a wonderful message, guys. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's actually lighthearted. It's, it's, it's going to be good. Uh, but open your heart to what God would speak to you today. And can we welcome our friend Rodney from Pure Desire. Here he is.
1: Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I said in the first service, it's like being home here. There's such a great great spirit and a lot of joy, and thank you so much for, uh, for letting us come. Um, my wife, uh, Tracy, a picture of us on the screen here, she is not with me here this morning because uh, we have a grandson named Louie, so Louie back on the camera there. Um, uh, and so she's with our grandson today because she doesn't get much time with grandson, and so he's in town, so she's like... Good luck with church today. I'm with Lou. How many grandmas know what I'm talking about here? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Well, um, Tracy, my wife, she helped me co write this book uh, a while back, and it's called How to Talk with Your Kids About Sex. And our calling, we feel like, is to go to churches around the country and really all over the world. Pure Desire, their material is used in 23 countries. Uh, over 900 churches, uh, thousands of groups, online groups now that are helping men and women who struggle with unwanted sexual behavior. And um, I serve as a board member for them, and we joined their cause about three years ago full-time to to be an ambassador for their cause and help raise resources. And so we go to churches and um we do parent trainings and so we equip young parents or grandparents who are raising young kids about how not to have one talk with your kid for a hundred minutes when they're 13. how many remember that one dad breathe dad are you okay mom something's wrong with dad he's not breathing right so not one talk for a hundred minutes when they're 13 but we talk about 100 yeah. one minute conversations that's all good. through their age yeah. and yes. stage of development. That that's age appropriate. Yes. In my opinion, here's one thing that some cultures are doing well they're starting conversations younger. Yes. We think that's good, but it needs to be age appropriate, Absolutely. and it needs to be with values that we yes. have. And so, this is where we think the church hasn't always known how to do this very well. That's right. We didn't know how to integrate our spirituality, our faith, with our human sexuality. And because of that, there's been a lot of train wrecks, so to speak. And so I'm just saying, you know, I'm old. I'm 54, so I'm old, you know. I got a few more trips around the sun, then I'm, I'm going up to heaven. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here long. I don't want to start another Rod Wright church. But what if we could help churches be healthier in this arena? What if all of our churches could be a healthy place for kids and... We got a little four-month-old in the back back there. He reminds me of Louie. He looked like my grandson Louie back there. Mom's taking care of him right now. But how many think his life matters, yes. right? And that, that his parents have a healthy framework to know how to have these conversations with their kids. And a lot of us just weren't given that, that backdrop. So uh, we, we, we authored this book. Uh, we have him in the back there. And this one is actually for Louie and his wife. It's a honeymoon gift for them. So... Uh, uh, Louie, here's your gift right here. I'll give it to you after service. And uh, read a chapter every night. That'll be your homework assignment with your wife, and you guys will enjoy it. But we, we really recommend mom and dad read it out loud to each other because it gives you that scaffolding to know how to have these conversations and how to be healthy people and help your kids. So anyway, I'm honored to be here. Uh, Amy and Tyrone, thank you so much. We've got some uh, history through some of their family and friends in Modesto and different kinds of things. And... Um, So, you know, I I pastored for many, many years, and three years ago, we felt God's prompting to leave our congregation in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and become an ambassador for pure desire, but more than that, for for sexual health within our churches, and to be one that's not just pointing out the problem, but offering solutions of the better way. Aren't you glad that when Jesus came to this world, he wasn't pointing a condemning finger? saying, you guys are so messed up. (laughs) Jesus wasn't pointing a a condemning finger. Jesus was extending the hand, saying, hey, I want to show you the better way. Come, follow me. Come on. I'm right here with you. In fact, I'm getting in the ditch with you. I'm becoming human. I'm going to take on your flesh. Whatever you faced, I faced. And I know just what you're going through, and I'm going to help you. And so to me, that's, feel like, is our calling, uh, that the gospel is more about selling, it's more than just selling hell insurance. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Say this prayer so the Almighty won't send you to hell when you die. That's, in my opinion, a very, um, a, a, a very sad version of the gospel. In fact, to me, it's not the gospel. The gospel is about God coming to help us here with the hell we're living in right here and right now because of sin's deceitfulness and to offer their life to us so that we could participate in their kingdom, not just when we die, but right here and right now. Amen. And that participation can do a lot of amazing things, but more than anything, it brings a sense of the fruit of the Spirit, the yes. love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the gentleness. And so that's what we want to give ourselves to today. So today you're going to hear from a uh, sexual missionary. How's that? <laughs> I bet you never thought that would be happening, uh, or I like to say a sexy missionary. But my wife says, oh, those days are long gone. So anyway, anyway. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. just want to have a little conversation with you here today. And uh, I think everything will be age appropriate. You seem like a mature audience here today. Um, I'm not going to have time to read the whole Bible, but I want to just start here. <coughs> Tyrone's picking it up here later. But uh, Genesis 1.1. The scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, it's a neat thing about our scriptures that you have in your hand here. The Old Testament, the Hebrew text, and the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic. Actually, two religions share the same book. Isn't that interesting? Judaism and Christianity. It's kind of interesting if you just think about it. And this text, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, was written in the Hebrew language. So the word for God here is the word Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And it's written in singular form. One God, one God, Elohim. One creator, Elohim. And if you look and you begin to read that, that whole chapter, you get to verse 26. And now Elohim speaks. And let's look at that verse. Elohim says, Then Elohim said, God said, Let us make mankind in our Image and in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and increase in number. Be fruitful and increase in number. Be fruitful and increase in number. The message version says, Light a candle and play jazz music right there. That's what it says. Right? That's what it says little Kenny G. Oh, that ages me. Never mind. Sorry. Interesting. Elohim speaks and says, let us. Elohim, singular, uses a plural pronoun. Boy, would my English teacher be proud of me today. Yeah, in in high school. So Elohim uses a plural pronoun. Let us create in our image and our likeness. Now, this is a doctor within, doctrine within the Christian faith that Protestantism and Catholics and Orthodox all agree upon. Now, how many think that's a miracle in itself right there, that we would all agree on something, right? You know why there's so many different Protestant denominations, because we all can't agree on the Bible. That's why. Anyway, don't get me started on that discussion. But anyway, so we all want to do our own thing, right, and say this is exactly how it is. But anyway, what we've come to understand is that God is relationship at the core of God. There's nothing more true in God than relationship. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, in in the fourth century, the early church fathers coined the phrase Trinity because it's not really in Scripture, but they coined this phrase as they were Thinking and wrestling about the writings of John and Matthew and, and, and teachings of Jesus, that God is Trinity, three in one. Three in one. And that's a very interesting thing. We would say God in three persons one, two, three, three persons. Persons is the English word that we use as individuals, but, but the word person actually came from a Latin or a Greek word, personar which means um, it was the word that they used in the Greek theater back in Greece when they would cup their hands or they had a mask that they would wear during the theater that would be like a megaphone that would project sound. So personar means through and the sounding through. So here's how they describe God. The Father sounds through the Son and the Son sounds through the Spirit and the Spirit sounds through the Father. So they would say, God is mutually indwelling, Father, Son, and Spirit, without losing their distinctiveness. It's kind of mind boggling when you think about it. Yeah. They're submitted one to another. It's the same imagery we see in marriage, where a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become sexual imagery, mutually indwelling. Some of you'll get that later, without losing their distinctiveness. Still husband, still wife. Mutually indwelling. Father, Son, and Spirit, without losing their distinctiveness. Still Father, still Son, still Spirit. They're mutually submitted one to another. I thought there was a hierarchy in God. I thought the Father was the big kahuna. And then he had two sidekicks, Tonto and Festus, you know? The Spirit and Jesus. But no, there's no hierarchy in God. Different functions, but same in character. And they're submitted one to another. You know, the healthiest relationships we have on earth are the ones where there's mutual submission, yeah. it. right? It. And doesn't your Bible say, Husbands, submit to your wives? So I like this guy already. Yeah. Well, the Bible in Ephesians, it does say submit one to another. Yes. And guess what, guys? We're one of the others. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is how I see God. Yeah. So good. In Jesus, God takes on our flesh. And submits to humanity. Wow. God submits to becoming one of us. So good. And then God <laughs> submits to giving his life. No one took it. He laid it down. He submits to death yes. in order to conquer sin and death for all of us. Yeah. The power of God is the love of God. That's it right. really is the humility of God is the power of God, right? So to me, this is such a beautiful thing, their relationship. I could talk about that forever, but I'm going to keep moving on. But I believe what's most true about God is relationship. And you and I were made in their image. Mm -hmm. In fact, the scripture says that God made them male and female and both reflect the image of God. Mm -hmm. So some theologians believe it went maybe like this. The Trinity created Adam with a little dirt. And we still have some dirt on us from time to time. And breathed in him. And then Adam was created. And God stepped back, and the Trinity all said at once, I think we can do better than this. (laughs) Any ladies in the room here today, ladies? Some theologians believe had Eve been created first, us men would have never been created. God would have just stopped right there and said, you know what, we're not going to get any better than this model right here. Let's just stop it, right? No, 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 no. Listen, Male and female both reflect the image of God. You want to know what God may look like? Just look at the woman sitting next to you today. She is an image bearer of God. You too, on the front row and every woman in this room, you bear the image of God. And this is what I love about the teachings of Jesus. In a society where women were less than, Jesus was elevating the worth and value of women, right? And in a world that we live in with human trafficking and pornography and objectivity, you know what what the church should do? We should be just like Jesus in elevating the worth and dignity and value because we are both image bearers of God. Image bearers of God. Made in God's image, male and female. And how God made us is good. In fact, it says it five times in the Genesis narrative, good, good, and then at the very end it says very good. Very good. So to me, it's what's most true about every one of us in this room. We are not a mistake. We are not worthless. We are worthy of God's love. And God thinks so much of us that God would rather die than live without us. That's the heart of God for humanity. And God creates what he loves, and he loves what he creates. And so this is the heart of the divine toward us. Now, our humanity is such a gift, and our maleness and femaleness is a gift, and I believe more now than ever, we need to affirm that in our kids. Affirm that in this is how God made you. You're a boy. Your parts are on the outside. That's the best place for them. Right? (laughs) Have healthy language to know how to talk to our kids about that. Age appropriate. And God made you a girl. Some of your parts are on the inside. That's the best place for them. Right? Language, age appropriate conversation. That's how God made us. Mm-hmm. Did you know when my grandson, Louis or a little baby girl, as soon as they're born, that baby girl can vaginally lubricate in the first 24 hours of birth, and a little boy, when born, can have an erection in the first five minutes. It doesn't mean the, that my, 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 my son-in-law and daughter said, uh-oh, God gave us a pervert. What are we gonna do with Louie? It's, no, it's not that way. That's how God made their body. That's right. And their sexuality is That's a normal right. part of function. Now, some of you are probably thinking, did I just hear those words in the house of God here? This church has been here since 1973, and I'm sure they've never heard words like that bouncing off their church walls. But how many know those aren't dirty words? That's They're sexual terms. We're just not used to hearing them in clinical, healthy ways. We cannot let culture take something that God said is very good and disrupt it. Now, listen, I'm old enough and have lived long enough and have helped People and myself enough to know some of this conversation can be triggering for some of you here yeah. because, unfortunately, sexuality wasn't, yeah. wasn't educated or taught to you in a healthy way, yeah. it was taught to you in a very damaging way, yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm very sensitive to that. So, I, in no, no way, mean to be disrespectful or hurtful. And if you're triggered in any way, let me just there are people and resources that can help you, yes. and we want to point you to those because that's a part of the healing work of Jesus. Jesus wants to take us and help us with our negative sexual history from abuse, from abortion, from addiction, from affair. Jesus wants to take that and redeem that for us so that we can find healing, not just when we die, but move toward healing here and now. Because here's the news. We're all addicted to our way of thinking. It's called sin. And we're all in need of recovery. Amen. Amen? Not just those people. Hey, turn to the person next to you and say, you're one of those people. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all in need of God's recovery. And recovery's not a destination, it's a direction. We stay on that road of following Jesus till our last death. Well, let me tell you my story. My father is an Assembly of God pastor. Uh, he lives in Modesto, California. He's 94 years old. I was born in Salinas, California, Monterey Bay Area. Five years old, we moved to Modesto. Um, I'm the youngest of five children. And when my dad was uh, pastoring in Modesto there, his church was a 1, 1,500. It was a large church back in those days. And if I could describe my father to you, I would describe him this way. He was a cross between Billy Graham, Ronald Reagan, and 10% John Wayne. That was my dad. <laughs> you got a visual on that guy? Yes. All right. As a little guy, I never thought he ever made mistakes. In fact, when I was a kid, 16 years old, I said to my mom in church, has dad ever sinned? I thought maybe I was adopted or something. You know, I wasn't sure. And my mom said to me, oh, hon, I assure you, your father has sinned. How many women know what I'm talking about? The Bible says we've all sinned, right? It's a condition we're born into, not just a mistake we make. It's this disease of our soul that needs to be healed that deceives us from seeing our worth and value and the worth and value of others, and ultimately God for who he really is, the lover of our soul and the healer of our lives. Well, when I was a kid and I was first exposed to pornography, um, I didn't feel safe to go to John Wayne, Billy Graham, Ronald Reagan, (laughs) and say, like kids today with these devices, hey dad, I saw this on my phone, how should I manage this, right? And we know what the scripture says, if your iPhone offends you, pluck it out, right? Right? So sometimes we have to move away from information, but it's not innately evil. This has to be managed, like steward, like everything else that we'll talk about. And I'm old, so the pornography I saw was chiseled on a rock back in those days. So we didn't have electronic devices. And it it was something as a young boy that was overwhelming to me. It was like dopamine that hit the brain. I know that now, but I didn't know that then. And it became something that I felt such shame from. And I was raised in a church environment to where we got convicted by sermons often. And what we knew to do with that conviction was to come down and to say we're sorry. And so for me as a young man, I would come down and I would say I'm sorry and pray. And I would cry and have real emotional experiences. I'm not denying those. I think those are meaningful in the brain. They're limbic experiences that we we, we actually experience the reality of God's love. But what I didn't understand is what to do when I got up from the altar of how to manage this God given gift of human sexuality that God had given in me. Right? Because our sexuality isn't part of the fall. Our human sexuality is a gift given by God. God gave us sexuality for procreation, for bonding, and for pleasure. That's why God gave us human sexuality, right? Strategic nerve endings, my kind of God, way to go. Right, And God didn't do that to, to hurt us. He did that to help us to understand that when you think of joy and pleasure, I want you to think of me because I'm the source of joy and pleasure. And I know this, and some of you can understand this with me. When sexuality managed correctly in, in, in a healthy way in the context of a committed monogamous relationship of marriage, it can be heaven on earth. And sexuality mismanaged, that hurts ourselves or someone else, I know this firsthand. It can be a living hell. It can be something that is so detrimental to our lives. And we don't know what to do with it or how to process it or how to talk through it. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for the ministry of Pure Desire and those like them that provide safe places that are confidential for men and women to find help with their negative history Mm -hmm. and find some healing communities because We're hurt in relationships, and we heal in relationships. So I need you, and you need me. And the Christ in me can speak to the brokenness in you, and the Christ in you can speak to the brokenness in me. Well, I was confessing because I knew this was wrong, and so I had to confess my sin. You know, the Bible tells us to do that in James, confess your faults one to another. Has anybody ever confessed anything to anybody besides me here? Two of us, three of us, four. Okay, let me say that again. This is not about sexuality, just anything in general. Everybody was taking, had to confess. That, okay, I, I'm in the right place. Okay. And I'm actually a confession expert. <clears throat> I've done a ton of it over my years. And uh, my brother, Ryan, 20 months older, was the safe person in my life, where as a young boy, 16, I could confess my struggle with pornography and say, Ryan, I don't like this. I come here, and I pray, and I promise... I pray to God. I promise God I'll never do it again. If you just forgive me, I promise I'll never do that again. Anybody anybody recognize a prayer like that? (laughs) Hoping to tip the (laughs) repentometer that God will give me just a little grace, right? And then I purged. And a part of my purging was confession. And confession is so good for the soul that the Scripture encourages us to do that. It's a place where we can confess our faults one to another, but when I confessed, I had accountability, but what I didn't know is how to have integrity. How many know the mafia have accountability? They just don't have integrity. Integrity is how to integrate. So many times in our group work, we talk about this isn't just binge purge, this is about learning how to integrate their truth into your life. Well, my story went on. I went to a Bible school in the Deep South in the 80s, early 80s. Um, put on by a famous television preacher who traveled the world and, in my opinion, took the message of Jesus and kind of dumbed it down to hell insurance. And meanwhile, that evangelist was living in his own hell of sexual addiction. Interesting. You know, in California, where I grew up, we would say, you're not smoking what you're selling. I don't know. Do you say that here in Arizona? I don't know. But anyway. You, you, I probably shouldn't say that in church, huh? But Anyway. I hope you understand what I mean by that. Yeah.
0: Oh, we're, we're smoking.
1: Yeah, okay, you're smoking here? Okay, all right. Not literally, it's a figurative, uh, I don't know, bust down the walls, open spaces. That kind of got me going this morning. So, But in other words, is the gospel just about someday or does Jesus transfer us here? And I remember as a young boy sitting in the audience at that Bible school, 7,000 people there. I'm sitting next to my girlfriend, Tracy, now my wife. And that evangelist gets on stage and in his tears confesses, I have sinned. And here's what I'm thinking. Hey, there are two of us. (laughs) You and me. And I thought as a young man, he's going to flip the script. Because in his church, it wasn't safe to talk about those things, but he's going to lead the way in humility to offer his story to help many of us go a different direction. But you know what? In his faith community, in his religion... It wasn't safe to share those stories. And we never heard about that again until the next time he got caught. You know, Dr. Henry Cloud says this about church, a judgmental church. He said, you know, there's a difference between a judgmental church and a healthy AA group. He says, in a judgmental church, if you admit you have a problem, they're going to call you a sinner. In a healthy AA group, if you act like you don't have a problem, they're going to say you're in denial. In the church, you attend and you look good, but you get worse. In the AA group, you go and you look worse, but you get better. And he says, I know there are healthy churches and bad AA groups, but sometimes because of a lack of grace and truth in our churches, some Christians have had to go elsewhere to find their healing. And I'm saying when it comes to this arena... What if we got competent resources and training? And what if we got information more than just a prayer and thank God for prayers? But now we can begin to educate because we've learned a lot about how the brain works. So here's what I thought. Well, this evangelist, God, I don't want this. I'm still confessing to my brother, confessing then to my father. So this is what I thought as a young man in my 20 years old. Well, if I have this problem, I'll just get married. Because marriage fixes everything. How many you know that? If you have a problem, just get married. Especially in this arena. Just get married. It'll fix it all. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So I got married. Married to Tracy. Didn't tell her about this part of my history because I thought every time I came to an altar, I was delivered and free until the next time I had a binge purge pattern going on. And addiction, my theology growing up, Christians couldn't have addictions. Well, we could be, you know... We can gossip and, and, and be heavy and shopaholics, but we're not addicts. You know what I'm saying? You, you get what I'm saying, right? So that was what my theology told me, is that Christians can't have addictions, especially Pentecostals. We got the Holy Ghost in us. Right? I believe in that in my whole heart. So I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what other religious button to push to, to free myself. I hope you hear me. One TV preacher said, if I send him $50, all my problems will be gone. Give me my checkbook. I can't get that thing in the mail fast enough. Except it didn't fix all my problems. So I I really had a crisis of faith. God, I love you. I don't know how to be more sincere. I don't know what dynamic or anointing or powerful looks like. But man, I I must be the Christian that just doesn't add up. Sorry about that. You wasted a draft pick on me. That's what I thought growing up. Sorry about that. I'm a bust. Shame so high. Shame so high. I was about to give up. Living in Portland, Oregon, we had a few kids. I'm sitting on the front row in church. And I just, I don't know who else to confess to or what to do. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me and say, Rodney, see that guy that's playing the drums at church? Now you guys keep your drummer in a cage here, I noticed. (laughs) I met him last service, so he's caged up. But anyway, the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, go to that therapist, that person there. He's going to help you. And I thought, I'm not going to go to him. He's a sexual trauma assessment treatment therapist. If I go to him, God, that means I'm messed up. And I felt like the Holy Spirit son and father said, yep, you're messed up. But we totally anticipated it. And it's not all your fault. It's not your fault. And we have people and resources to help you. And I remember going to him on a Tuesday, hoping to be fixed by Friday so I could look good on Sunday. How many know what I'm talking about? Anybody want that quick fix? That easy Jesus magic? Shampoo, whatever, cream rinse, you know, grow new hair. I just wanted that instant character. And my therapist said this to me. Rodney, you think Jesus is magic. But what Jesus will do is get right in the ditch with you. And you want to forget your past. In fact, Rodney, your favorite scripture is forgetting what's behind me. Even if it was just 20 minutes ago, you quoting that scripture. And Jesus wants to get in that ditch with you. And the past has its claws in you. And he wants to help you undo the claws. And this is a process. But he'll be with you every step of the way. So what I thought was gonna be two visits ended up being a three-year relationship with this therapist. And what I realized in sexual addiction, it's not just a moral issue, it's a brain issue. It affects the brain. And now with the study of neuroscience, we can say to our children, pornography not only just harms you in your heart, but it harms you literally in the limbic part of your brain, where the neurons fire off and create synapses in the brain. We have tens of thousands of neurons that fire off all the time. You can see this with little children. I love watching my grandson because I can, watch, I can literally see, oh, they're going to neurons. So something connected in his little mind. You can just see it. Something beautiful connects, and a smile comes or a sadness comes or whatever. And so we talk about impure desire, not refraining from bad behavior, but retraining the brain. That's good. And the word is called neuroplasticity in science. Neuroplasticity. The Bible has a word for that, too. It's called repentance. Yes. Repentance in the Greek, when Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 15, the, 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 the passage is on the screen here. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. Repent and believe the good news. In other words, Jesus was saying, I've come to help you change your thinking and believe the good news. My therapist would say, Rodney, you have some real thinking errors. They call those cognitive distortions. And things have happened in your life. And from those traumas that happened when you were young, it projected on you negative thoughts about yourself and even negative thoughts about God and even negative thoughts about others. Mm -hmm. But God wants to lead you to a place of retraining your brain and redeeming our human sexuality, not seeing it as evil or as bad. Long story short, that started a big recovery process for me. And when I shared it with my wife, and I don't recommend that you go home on the drive home today and share your negative sexual history with everybody, but what I'm saying is my freedom became a brick on my wife. I didn't share this first service, but I feel prompted to share it now. For those of you that have been betrayed or been hurt by someone's brokenness, it's not your fault. It, ha- it, it doesn't speak about you. It speaks about them. You are beloved of God. Made in God's image and beautiful and cared for and deeply loved. And so understand that it became a process not only for my recovery, but for her recovery and then ultimately our recovery. And God brought us to competent people and places that can walk us down those roads of healing. Today, we realize that pornography isn't just an issue for men, but it's an issue for women in our culture. It's growing in our culture So the shame maybe a man would feel, just think about if being a man's issue, typically now if a woman is that that issue, the shame could be even higher. But I'm grateful Pure Desire has groups for women and men, and we're providing resources. Well, my healing started 25 years ago. And uh, I pastored a church in Idaho. We went and started a congregation there and it grew. And I had a friend go through Celebrate Recovery named Joe. And my buddy Joe was 20 years AA. He came to faith in God. And Joe says to me at the graduation of Celebrate Recovery, hey, Rod, what are we doing about pornography and mismanagement of sexuality in churches? And I said to him, Joe, you're just a young Christian. You don't know we don't talk about that stuff in religion. You'll learn. Don't worry about it. We don't. I knew we had those issues, but Joe said to me, Rodney, will you come with me to a Pure Desire training? Will you come hear Dr. Ted and Diane Roberts talk about Pure Desire in their ministry? And I felt that same prompting eight years ago as I did with the drummer. I felt the Holy Spirit say, Rodney, do you want to participate in something I'm doing to heal humanity? And I went, and I was a little skeptic, to be honest, because I've heard a lot of religion. I was a little skeptic. And they begin to talk about the neuroscience of the brain and how the brain changes. And they begin to talk about that a lot of our addictive behaviors are because of traumas. We don't know how to grieve. And I've done grief work in our community for 20 years. And I believe that a healthy church is a place where people can grieve. And our grief isn't what's wrong with us. It's what's right with us. It's the appropriate emotional response to loss and trauma that happens. And church becomes a safe place not just to fix but to let it out. And it's in the letting it out. That begins the healing of our soul. And then they talked about how scripture and group and the material can really help bring healing. And they said all of these are spiritual. That's right. Wow, boom. And it was more holistic. See, this is what I thought as a kid. Go ahead and put the uh, little pie charts on the screen if you wouldn't mind. As a kid, I saw life this way. I saw life as family, friends, finance. Physical, sexual, emotional, work, school, hobbies, devotions, church. Life has a lot of elements. That's what I'm trying to say. And I thought the spiritual life in Rodney. And Now, listen, I went to church a lot as a kid. When I was six, I said to my mom, church, church, church. That's all we ever do is go to church. I wanted to go play baseball. You know what I mean? I was like, why why are we going to church five nights a week? We're good, you know? So I thought my spiritual life was when I did this next I thought the spiritual part of Rodney was when I read my Bible, did my devotions, or when I went to church. And I thought church was a building. Church has never been about a building. Church is about you and me. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is where God dwells in us. And so that's what I thought the goal of life was, to see how much you could read your Bible a day, like hours and hours and hours. And how much you could go to church. And the more you did that, the more spiritual you were, right? This is how you see people who you would say, well, a guy who said this to me last weekend. It was my Christian school principal who was abusive to me growing up. How does a Christian school principal seem so spiritual as a leader and yet so hurtful in this part of his life over here? How they do that? is they've segregated their spirituality. And this is what my therapist taught me, a term called holistic spirituality. It's integrating the way of God in all areas of our life. And Jesus said it this way, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Paul says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all is unto the Lord. So you know what spirituality looks for Rodney these days? Eight hours of sleep a night. Yes. Come on, yes. reading a good book. Reading through a couple chapters in a good book instead of scrolling on my iPhone, right? Nothing wrong with technology. It just has to be managed. Mm -hmm. Eating some good food, exercising, right? Taking care of my emotions when something, this was the hardest for me and I think it's the hardest for us men. When something hurts me, Mm -hmm. give voice to it and grieve it. Because I grew up when men weren't supposed to hurt. We weren't supposed to feel. But in recovery, you gotta feel to heal. And those feelings are scary, but that's why having a safe, confidential group with brothers and sisters or men with men, women with women, you're not alone as you go through those scary places in life. And you can let out that pain and you can find healing. So I believe spirituality looks like this. It's integrating the way of God in all areas of our life. Right? It's not just going to church more. It's learning how to integrate the truth of God in all areas. Wouldn't it be great, mom and dad, if your kids could be spiritual and and... And integrate healthy sexuality at the roller rink. I don't even know what kids do anymore. A they roller skate? I know they bowl, but I don't know what the kids even do anymore. My grandson's going to teach me about all this stuff now. But just think about when your kids are interacting in their life, and they see something unhealthy or abuse or hurt, that kid knows how to stop and give healthy voice and set a healthy boundary, right? And knows how to knows how to say, "Hey, mom and dad, I saw this on my phone, like you said I would." Yeah. And mom and dad know how to train and guide, not shame and punish. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Because the kid's only seven. Yes. They're only seven. Yeah. And, and natural curiosity is not evil. We just have to learn how to help them manage, That's right. not mismanage, That's right. yeah. and train and guide, yeah. not shame and punish. Yes. And we need to help them really understand about what's healthy about our human sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that really is my heart for the church. Yeah, so Statistics, I don't even want to share them, but yeah. they're, they're horrific. Yeah. And let's just start with the clergy. One out of five, uh, excuse me, 50% of evangelical clergy. This was Josh McDowell's study a couple years ago. Struggle with some kind of unwanted sexual behavior. We're not even smoking what we're selling. 60% of men, abuse rates, one to three women in churches. It's just, it's just tragic. And, and I guess I just said to God, I guess I don't have to go start another church. Dear God, I never wanted to be a lead pastor. God bless you guys. I don't know. Clap for or something's not right in the head. I'm not sure. But anyway, God bless you guys. Be in charge of everything and everybody. Good luck with that, you know. Oh, Lord, help me. But, but I heard the Lord say, Rodney, would you leave your church of 1,500? Would you become an ambassador for pure desire? Would you go to churches around the country and share your story, lower shame, and invite people into authentic community where there's, where there's competent resources to help you find healing. Yes. I thank God for Celebrate Recovery. I thank God for Pure Desire. I thank God for every ministry out there that's giving competent resources to help people heal holistically yes. so that they can heal. So those stories don't have to define us. Abuse, abortion, addiction, affair. Wow. I love what Brene Brown said. She's a Nazarene, but God still loves Nazarenes. It's okay. She said this. When you deny your story, it defines you. But when you own it, you can write a brave new ending. And I'm just telling you, you, I'm giving you some chapters of my story, but it's not the ending. The ending is what the enemy used to destroy. God fully anticipated. Didn't send it, but anticipated human error and made provision for us to help us. God's not the source of the pain that you caused yourself or someone else caused you. That's right. In him is light and there is no darkness. That's and we're all subject to pain in this world. But I'm so grateful for a God that's not distant, far, and removed, but a God that it came among us to say, when you cry, I cry. When you uh, uh, feel these feelings, I felt them with you. I'm touched with the feelings of your infirmity and you can come to me boldly and ask for help. And I'm thankful that Pure Desire is becoming a resource for men and women all across the world, That online groups and groups. That there's a resource called Sexual Integrity 101, and this is for churches where they are offering education in human sexuality in a great way. And there's Team 58, Isaiah 58, where we're restoring lives, rebuilding families. People are giving back monthly to help this cause. That's what I'm thrilled about because the more resources, the more voices. I pray, God, not just for my voice. God, release thousands of voices yes. and thousands of ministries that would come to churches and educate. Because the little, the little kid in the back that's four months, what's his name, Mama? Char- Charlie. Charlie's worth it. Yes. Charlie is so worth it. And I pray that when he grows up and finds a church and a family to connect and when he's bringing his kids and his grandkids someday, that the churches are known as the healthiest place in society. Because we're a place where we're integrating the way of God in all areas of our life. So I want to say a prayer for you today if I can. Thank you. You've been very kind. If you're here today, let me just let you know there are people and resources that can help you. You're worthy of love. I want want that to ring in your ear. The message from God today would be you are worthy of love and redemption. (laughs) Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. I don't think my story is that uncommon. In fact, I think that um, according to what we see and hear in our world, it's very common. But God, I thank you that you designed us in your image and our human sexuality is a gift What the enemy has tried to destroy, I pray that you would redeem. I pray that you would help us find people and resources that can do the healing work of our souls. We're integrate beings. And I thank you that you're not just a God, a quick fix, but you're a God that walks with us through the pain of this life. Jesus, you said in this world we will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And I just pray, God, that as we walk, that we would be a healing resource to one another. I pray today that if anyone here has felt triggered or ashamed by this message, that they would feel an overwhelming sense of your love and your care and your goodness. And that my story of addiction or their story of abuse could be something, God, that we would offer to you and you could bring redemption.